Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. jump in today's topic i just want to wish a happy new year to everyone out there i hope everyone has had a wonderful holiday season i myself have had a very good holiday i got to spend it with my family got to spend it with my wife's co-workers for a night it was a really good time so yeah i hope everyone is just enjoying this holiday season their time off from work And I hope you all got to spend time with your loved ones and your friends during this wonderful time of the year. I apologize for not putting out an episode for the last few weeks. I was pretty sick just now getting over a, I don't know, cold, Omicron, Delta, bubonic plague type thing. I don't know what it is these days. I just recently got over it and, you know, handling two kids during the day and feeling like crap, you know, you kind of clock out early at night, so that is why I have not made an episode. Plus, you know, it was Christmas. I was spending more time with my family and, you know, trying to make the most of it, you know, with given everything going on. So, yeah, that is why I apologize, and from here on out, I will be posting an episode every Thursday. Take it to the bank every Thursday. Expect a new episode from moi. So, today's topic. The Crusades. Two sides for the control of Jerusalem. Christians, Muslims, battle royale of the centuries to come. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that was kind of cheesy. <laughs> yes, the Crusades, the holy wars that took place in the 10th century up until at least the 16th century. It's a little muddled, you know, the 
there are records of multiple crusades taking place, at least like 13 crusades, but some of them were half-assed. You know, they weren't very successful. So do we count those? Do we not count them? Are they kind of just uh, people trying to get them going, you know, trying to start a trend back up and it didn't really take off? Who knows? We're only going to focus on the first few ones, the ones that were pretty significant for the time. Because anything that took place after at least the 4th or 5th Crusade was a little meh. Didn't really take off. And there was really only one clear victor throughout the entire thing, except for one instance. <laughs> so, we'll get into that. What are the Crusades? What were the Crusades? Now, the Crusades were a series of holy wars fought between the Christian kingdoms and the Muslim kingdoms to try and gain control of Jerusalem. And that was pretty much it. It, it was all focused on Jerusalem. The Christian kingdoms wanted to control Jerusalem because it was the place where Christ was crucified and it is also where the tomb of Jesus Christ was located, and the Muslim kingdoms wanted to have control of it because it is where Muhammad rose to heaven. The Roman Catholic Church, they wanted access to the Holy Sepulchre, which housed the tomb of Christ. But for the longest time, Jerusalem was under the control of the Muslim kingdoms. There was, it kind of transferred in power to different Muslim leaders at the time, but for the most part, from the 6th century up until the 10th century, when the First Crusade took place, it was under Muslim control. Christians did not like this. It did not sit well with them. So, in 1095, Pope Urban II decided... This is outrageous. We have Christian pilgrims that are trying to go to Jerusalem to pay their respects to Jesus Christ's tomb and pay their respects to the birth of our religion, and they are being slaughtered and massacred by the Muslim occupants. Whether that is true or not, we do not know. I'm going to lean towards it not being true, and I will get into that reason later on. So, it was the holiest city. Not just the Christians and Muslims, but also the Jewish faith. I mean, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this next comment. I, After doing extensive studying and reading on Christianity, Islam, and Judaism... There are just too many similarities. I mean, let, let's look at let's look at it this way. Before I get too far into the Crusades, let me let me just kind of go down a rabbit hole real quick. Now, if religion is something that's uncomfortable for you, I do apologize. But I don't know. This is just something that I I it, it, it kind of strikes me as interesting. So there are hundreds of faiths that we know of around the entire world. You know, you got Buddhism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, uh, Norse Paganism, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, all of these different things, just to name a few. What if 
these religions, okay, each one deals with powers beyond human comprehension. I'm not going to say higher powers because some of them are polytheistic, which is more than one god, and some are monotheistic, which is one powerful god. And some are kind of along the lines of just an ideology. It's not so much that there's a, a higher being, but it's a philosophy. You know, it's, it's a way of thinking about our afterlife and how we can be better humans, okay? So what if, what if in the grand scheme of the whole picture that is religion and faith, imagine a giant circle, okay? Now, you take a little piece out of the circle, that's Christianity. You take another little piece out of it, that's Islam. Another little piece, Judaism. And you just keep taking these little pieces out of this giant circle, and it kind of ends up looking like Swiss cheese, right? Just follow along with me here. What if all of these religions, philosophies, ideologies are just pieces of the grand scheme of what is religion or faith? Okay, I, I know, it's crazy. But, for example, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, they all share similar beliefs, similar systems, I guess you could say. They, they each believe in Jesus Christ, just different variations. Christians believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Son of God, sent here to cleanse humanity of their sins. Islam, they didn't believe Christ was so much the Son of God, but he was a prophet of God, sent here to tell us of the faith and spread the good word, much like Muhammad. The, the whole thing with Muhammad is he was the last prophet sent by God to the people of earth. And when he ascended, there weren't going to be any more prophets after him. Okay, he, he, he's the last person to be sent here to tell us of the word. Judaism did not think Christ was the son of God. He was kind of like a false prophet. So, aside from all of that, I mean, they all agree that Jesus was a person, just different reasons of why he was here. I mean, each, each religion kind of has its own belief systems, but most of them come down to loving your fellow man, treating each other as your equal, not looking down on people just because of their different social structure or what have you. Every religion in the world, Every single one. Try, try and prove to me. I mean, even, even Satanism. Treat people with respect. Love each other as if they were your neighbor, as if they were your family. And don't walk amongst your fellow man as if you are above them. Because we're not above each other. Not, not one person is above each other. And that's something that is should be harked on when it comes to these religions because unfortunately there are people that in these faiths that walk around thinking that theirs is the right way and that every other way was wrong and this is kind of what started the whole crusades see look at that look at that little i, I came back to it you see that yeah nice <laughs> so christianity believed that they were the right religion they had the most right to be in Jerusalem because their religion was the religion, the religion of God. 
Islam believed the same thing. Christians were non-believers. They were, they were false believers. They didn't have any right to Jerusalem. But here is the difference, okay? When the Muslims were in control of Jerusalem, while they were in control, didn't really treat Christians and Jews with that much respect, but they also did not stop them from coming into the city and praying at their designated temples or churches or paying their respects. They, they were still allowed to pilgrimage to Jerusalem and practice their religion within, side, within the walls of Jerusalem. They didn't stop them. But, 1095, Pope Urban II declared the First Crusade. And he told the kingdoms of Christendom, if you take the pledge to go on this crusade, to retake the Holy Land from the Muslims, I will cleanse you of all your sins. At this point in Europe, Christianity was the beating heart of every single person's moral compass. If they could get their sins cleansed by the Pope, Sky's the limit, bro. Like, there's no stopping them. Hell yes. I will go to the Holy Land and I will I will I will take this pledge. I'll fight in your honor. Not maybe not just to get their sins cleansed, but I mean hell. I'm just a I'm just a boring farmer here, you know, I'm just minding my own business in France. And this uh this guy over here with the shiny hat, he told me that I can uh, get my sins cleansed if I go to the Holy Land and fight some people. Well, shoot. I don't know nothing about no sins, but I sure do like adventure. So that's... <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. I don't know why a Frenchman would sound like he's from Alabama. <laughs> but that's the thing. Not only was the Pope cleansing sins to those who took the pledge... But the whole point of it was, it was also an adventure for these people. You know, this, you you live in a kingdom, you're, you're working the fields day in and day out. And then you get an opportunity to drop what you're doing because you're taking up a righteous cause for the Pope to go and retake the Holy Land. And they weren't getting any flack for it either. Like, the Pope even said, if a peasant who was farming your land takes up this cause, you cannot repossess his land. You cannot fault him for it. His family is to be kept safe. Don't worry about it. He's doing this for a noble cause. So, I mean, like, some dude's in a dead-end job working on a field and stuff, and he's unhappy in a marriage or whatever. It's just like, oh, shit, sign me up, Captain. I'm going. Maybe. I don't know. I'm getting a little sidetracked here. I'm sorry. I, I keep making up all these funny characters. Anyways. So the Pope says that he can cleanse their sins if they go on the holy, the crusade. Perfect. When they got to Jerusalem, it lasted four years of the crusaders trying to take the city. Four years. When they finally did, they, the crusaders slaughtered everyone within the city. Men, women, children, Muslim, Jewish, everyone. In my research, there was more than one time that I came across the line that said that they slaughtered so many people that Jerusalem, any of the crusaders walking through it at that time, they were knee-deep in blood from how much destruction they caused. 
They went to the mosques and they killed the people hiding in there. They went to the synagogues and they killed the people hiding in there. I mean, they even killed Christians because they were just on a rampage. It's just, maybe they meant to kill them. Maybe they thought they were betrayers of the faith. I, I don't know. You, you, don't, you don't know what's going through the mind of some of these people. But they slaughtered everyone that was within that city to the point that the streets were just running red. It was, it was atrocious. It was, it was awful. 1099, Jerusalem fell to the hands of the Christian kingdoms, the Pope. At this time, we start to see some uh, groups and orders come to rise that some of you may be familiar with. One of the most notable ones was the Knights Templars. The Knights Templars was created as a group to protect Christians and Jews on the road to Jerusalem. It was their duty to protect those that were taking a pilgrimage to the holy city so that they were not attacked or whatever on their way there. Because there was a lot of uh, Bedouin tribes that were in the desert, like around Antioch and Acre and stuff. These were major cities in the area. Strongholds that the Crusaders took when before they retook Jerusalem. So... There were a lot of Bedouin tribes that were uh, capturing and enslaving uh, pilgrims that were on their way to Jerusalem. So the Knights Templar was created to try and protect these people. The Knights Templar ended up becoming a very famous and profitable order to the point where they actually started the first concept of an international banking system where different kingdoms would pay them for their protection, pay them for their services, and they ended up accruing so much money that they became very powerful, even more powerful than some monarchies within the Christian kingdoms. And unfortunately, that was ultimately their their downfall because King Philip the Ninth of France accrued so much debt to the French Templars that he could not pay it back. So, in a scheme of trying to maintain his money, he decided he was going to try and spread false rumors about the Knights Templar. And he even went to the Pope and said, they're having sex with each other, they're worshipping false idols, they are practicing satanic rituals, they're doing all kinds of these things, like they have abandoned the Christian faith, and they're doing some unsightly shit. So, Pope Clement said, the Knights Templar is disbanded. He excommunicated all of them, he said they don't exist anymore. The French Templars, they were arrested, their properties, their treasures, everything was confiscated by Philip IX. And all of the Templars were rounded up, they were hung, tried, tortured, and just to try and get themselves out of this torture, they confessed to their false sins. And they were tried and executed on Friday the 13th, October 13th, which is where the omen of Friday the 13th being bad luck comes from. Because these innocent men of the Lord were falsely accused of indiscretions just because a king accrued too much debt with them. So, yeah, 1308, 
they were disbanded. So they were they were created a little after the first crusade, so around 1100, and they managed to last for you know a couple hundred years. But yeah, it's it's a really unfortunate business, but with great power comes great responsibility. So for quite a few years, um, I would say about 45 years, the Kingdom of Jerusalem was in the hands of Christendom. The Second Crusade began in 1145. There were a couple different parts to this crusade. Some scholars have this have these events separated into two different crusades, but they were kind of one in one. It was uh, I don't know. It, it was it was kind of a it was kind of a mixed up thing because while. Christian kingdoms had Jerusalem in their hands. There were still some strongholds in the area that belonged to the Muslim kingdoms. So part of the Second Crusade was King Louis VII marched on the city of Damascus and tried to retake it, or not so much tried to retake it, but he tried to claim it for Christendom, but he failed. And after he failed, there was a Muslim leader, now this guy, this guy was awesome. His name was Salahuddin. He managed to unite all, if not, well, most, if not all, of the Muslim kingdoms under one banner. He came from rather humble beginnings. Not not completely humble, like he, he wasn't poor and then like rose to the ranks. Like, he came from... I don't know, I guess you could say a middle-class family. And his father was uh, an officer in uh, one of the Muslim armies. And he managed to, you know, he followed his father around learning from him. But rather than spending most of his time on warfare, he was a very spiritual man. He loved to read and he loved to study the ancient writings of the Muslim religion. He was, he was very intuitive and very humble man. He, he, was, he was noted as not being cruel, but he was firm, and he commanded with a lot of respect. You know, you, you hear the famous line that was coined by uh, Nikolai Machiavelli, Would you rather be a leader that was feared or loved? Salahuddin kind of broke that, and he's like, I want to be respected. There, there's a little bit of both to it, you know. There's, there's love to it, but there's also a fear. So he, he wasn't an awful man, but people knew not to mess with him. So remember when I said before the First Crusade, for a few centuries, Jerusalem was under Muslim control, but it kind of transferred back and forth between different Muslim rulers. So to prevent that from happening, when he launched his crusade, which is noted as the Second Crusade, kind of fell along the line of king louis the seventh little attempt to take damascus he managed to unite the muslim territories of syria northern mesopotamia egypt and palestine he was described as generous and virtuous but firm without cruelty so i mean the fact that this man was able to unite this vastness of a territory under one banner that's something that we had not seen and then did not see again until the Ottoman Empire. 
that's that's an extensive time between this unification of different Muslim territories. So Salahuddin was a very respectable man, and he rose to Sultan and then managed to unite all of these different people. It's 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 a beautiful thing. So he launched his crusade to retake Jerusalem, and he was successful. He he succeeded. He managed to recapture it in 1187 and this this is this is something i i touched on earlier christians were notably cruel when they captured jerusalem the first time slaughtered everyone the city was knee deep in blood all of that and pope urban ii declared the first crusade because there were rumors of Muslims massacring and enslaving Christian and Jewish people that were trying to go to Jerusalem. Here's why I say that is false. When he retook, when Salahuddin retook the sect Jerusalem, he allowed the Christians and Jews to trade and pray within the city, and he showed mercy to those that were hiding. He's, the fighting stopped when Jerusalem surrendered. He didn't needlessly slaughter, enslave, or massacre anyone that was in the city. He even let soldiers go. Sure, maybe some of the leaders may have been made an example of. I mean, there's, there's not enough concrete evidence. I read a couple different sources that said that there were some soldiers that were killed after the battle, then some saying that he let everyone go. Whatever the case may be, killing some soldiers after the battle is a far sight away from slaughtering an entire city filled with men, women, and children that were hiding in churches, synagogues, and mosques. That is something that's mind-blowing. So he showed mercy to those that were hiding, he spared the soldiers' lives that were defending the city, and he let everyone go. He's like, you can continue to trade, you can continue to pray here, that's fine. Because... And this, this is this is how this is what he said. If we slaughter them like animals, then they believe that we're animals. We need to break that stigma. So he wanted to break this perception that the Christian kingdoms have that Muslims were animals. And they weren't. They aren't. Growing up in the United States, as young as I did, I witnessed I was alive during 2001. I was in school when 9-11 happened. Ever since 9-11 has happened, there has been an increase of Islamophobia within the United States, without, within the entire world. And it's unwarranted. The, the deeds of some do not paint a picture of the vastness of the group. There are bad eggs in every group, but you cannot cast your judgment upon the entirety of the group. So... Salahuddin's method of doing this, of letting people go and not slaughtering people, sure, maybe there were some Christians and Jewish pilgrims that were slaughtered when the city was under Muslim rule before, but he didn't speak for them, and he wanted to try and show them that they were trying to be better. What's not the respect about that? But unfortunately, Christian kingdoms and the Pope did not see it that way because 
they launched another crusade. You know who led the next crusade? King Richard I, the Lionheart. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. From England. Yes. King Richard the Lionheart. He learned about Jerusalem falling back to Muslim control and he was peeved. Practically drove his country into bankruptcy to fund this crusade. Didn't even make it to Jerusalem. He made it to like Antioch or something. Didn't even make it to Jerusalem. He went back home. On his way back home, he got captured in France. And he literally did drive his country into bankruptcy when they had to pay his ransom. After the ransom was paid, he never ended up making it back to England because he was killed in a battle on his way back home. Took an arrow to the neck rather than the knee. That's unfortunate. So, after King Richard's failed crusade, Jerusalem remained in the hands of Muslim leaders. Told you, one side more, one more than the other. Christians held it for about 45 years. After that, it went straight back into Muslim control. But here, here, here's, here's a funny one though. Okay, so you know how I said that there were maybe four, five important crusades that actually happened, whereas the other ones were just failed attempts. The fourth crusade took place on in, from 1202 to 1204, respectively. Pope Innocent wanted to unify the Christian kingdoms under one united front. He was like, we can't have a Western 
uh, Christian king, Christian kingdom, and we cannot have an Eastern Christian kingdom. We need a united front if we are going to retake the Holy Land. So he organized a group of soldiers, and he was like, here's the stipulation. If you go on this crusade, no Christian is to be harmed this time. Because, you know, the first crusade, not exactly successful when it came to Christians killing Christians. It happened. Oops. So he said, it's not going to happen this time. You are not going to kill Christians. So you know what happened? The Christian army marched on Constantinople, a Christian kingdom, and sacked the city. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but that's fucked up. Ooh, that city over there is pretty. Why don't we go try and take that one? Uh-oh, it's filled with Christians. So all of the soldiers that were a part of the sacking of Constantinople were excommunicated from the church. And the Fourth Crusade was unsuccessful. I mean, they didn't even make it to Africa. <laughs> that's, that's so messed up. They, they got stuck in Turkey. I mean, come on, man. That's... No wonder the Muslim kingdoms were always so successful. Christians couldn't even get their shit together. <laughs> Enough to not attack fellow Christian kingdoms. Like, that's so messed up. But another reason why they failed is because the Muslim kingdoms were so much more advanced than Christian kingdoms. So, the Crusades, from the Christian standpoint took place during what is known as the dark ages. This is when a lot of our a lot of the history of western Europe is kind of lost. And I'm also going to catch a lot of I'm, I'm just I'm just going to say this. I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this episode because it may sound like I'm dogging certain religions, but I I promise I'm not trying to talk down on anyone's belief system. I I promise I'm not. I I respect all religions, creeds, whatever. I, I have no quarrels against anyone. This is just something that I have noticed from my research. While the Dark Ages are called the Dark Ages because there's not any form of enlightenment or knowledgeable advancement in civilization, I think that we have Christianity to blame for that. And I'm sorry... But here's the thing, Rome was the pinnacle of Western civilization. It stretched from, it, it covered the surrounding areas of the Mediterranean Sea, it went all the way to Arabia and the British Isles. I mean, it was an impressive monolith of human civilization in the early centuries, okay? Rome... Now, I mentioned this in my uh, Five Good Emperors podcast. Commodus started the decline of Roman civilization. Rome went to shit once Commodus became emperor and all the emperors that followed. And then Christianity became the religion of Rome. And I believe be Christianity's moral compass did not fall in line with Roman ambitions. Because Christianity is all about tolerance, 
patience and not wanting to do unnecessary harm. Those are Christian values, okay? Roman values, I see it, I conquer it, I want it to be mine, and I expand. It did not line up. So, all these teachings of Christianity that went into Rome did not match the ideologies of Roman leaders. So, unfortunately, Rome could not keep up with advancing people. There, there's just a lot of things that happen with Rome. But Christianity was also one of the factors, I believe, as to why it fell. Rome fell. Civilization kind of, kind of went to in Western Europe. Kind of broke off into little kingdoms here and there. But here's where I believe that it was called the Dark Ages because Christianity made it so. Women weren't allowed to read. Women weren't allowed to write. Men were in control of everything. Church's values, readings, scriptures, teachings, all done in Latin. The People like me, people like you, we, we couldn't read Latin. We were below that status. The, the kings and priests and stuff would not teach us that because it, it, we didn't need to. We needed to rely on these kings and these priests and these bishops to lead us, to lead our flock. So there, there was no sense of ambition or wanting to better themselves because we were told by our priests and our bishops and our kings, stay at your place. Go back to your dirt farm. You're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. Why do you need to do that? We can do it for you if you pay because that's what God wants. You want to get into heaven? You pay us indulgence and you'll get into heaven. Also pay us a lot of taxes. Oh, you want to try and move out of your dirt farm? That sucks. So, I mean, Christianity kept people shackled. And it's, it's just kind of an unfortunate thing. It did not allow people to expand. Now, Islam, maybe it was the same way, but there's just some things that we Muslims had more than Christianity. They had gunpowder. They had far more advanced technology. They could build better castle designs. The number system that we use today, we owe that to the Muslim kingdoms. So this is what Christians took from the Crusades. While they may have lost the Crusades, ultimately... What they gained from it was knowledge. They were able to go back home and they were able to build better castles. They were able to irrigate their farms a lot better due to these cult, uh, land cultivation designs that they learned from Muslims. They brought back different types of fruits and vegetables thanks to Muslims. A lot of the advancement that we have after the Crusades, we owe to the Muslim kingdoms because of the Christian failures in the Crusades. If the Christians had not gone, then we may not have seen the advancement that we did in the 15th century. Who knows? But, I mean, it, it was the Muslims that taught Western Europeans to bathe properly, to cut their hair, to brush their teeth, wear perfume and cologne, to build houses that weren't made out of shit and straw. So, I don't know. But we, we do owe the Muslim kingdoms a lot. 
especially if you are from Western Europe. So, there you go. Take that with a grain of salt. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. That is just what the research has said. I'm sorry. I don't hate Christians. I grew up a Christian. I was a Lutheran. Don't hate me! So, so yeah, Christian crusades failed. Muslims introduced many different beautiful technologies to um, Christians. And we also owe that to China because we discovered that Muslims were trading with the Chinese. It's where gunpowder came from. So, with also the Chinese, we were able to get many different spices and things of such from them as well. Um, some notable people, apart from uh, the ones that I've mentioned, Salahuddin, King Richard, Pope Urban, Pope Innocent, uh, there was one man, he was a uh, like a local priest, kind of like a friar, he took up arms during the first crusade once pope urban announced that he was launching this crusade if you join the crusade your sins would be cleansed there was this man named peter the hermit now what's interesting about this is i didn't realize he was a real person see i was first introduced to this person from a book by james patterson called the jester it takes place during the crusades if you haven't read it i recommend it it's a very very good historical fiction but it you know it's based on a lot of things and turns out peter the hermit was a real person because he is also in the book so it one thing at a time greg in the book the jester it revolves around this man who owns an inn in southern france and this is when the crusades were first starting so he's at this inn that he lives at with his wife when all of a sudden this large gaggle of an army shows up in town, led by this man named Peter the Hermit. He, he shows up on a donkey, you know, he's wearing like the, uh, the little friar's outfit, the brown robe with the, the sash, and he's got the little haircut with the bald spot on top, you know. With this army of like old men, old women, young boys, like all these people, they're not they don't wear like regular armor you know they're carrying like pitchforks shovels hoes they got rusty armor like just a literal gaggle of people but there's thousands of them so peter the hermit shows up in this guy's town and he's like pope urban ii has declared a crusade to retake the holy land i am here to ask for people to join my army this what this man named peter the hermit shows up in our town on a freaking donkey and he says that he's gonna retake the holy land here's the funny thing he came close the real peter the hermit had an army of thousands of christians just random people from all across western europe behind him and he managed to take a couple different towns, but he did inevitably meet his demise at the city of Antioch. He was, his army was slaughtered by Turkish soldiers. But it's still interesting, you know, this, this little friar takes up arms because, you know, he's, he's all for the Pope and all for the Holy Land, and he was quite successful. And 
I mean, Peter the Hermit, that just sounds like a made-up name, but turns out he was a real person. It's interesting. Another in, uh, another interesting person was Baldwin the Fourth, or the Leper King. L-E-P-E-R. Leper. He had leprosy. So, another pop culture reference for you. There's a movie called Kingdom of Heaven. It came out in... 2004, I believe. It has Orlando Bloom, Liam Neeson, Edward Norton, uh, Brendan Gleeson. It, it's got a lot of big names, and some people that weren't big at the time, but now they're big. Like the guy who plays Owen on Grey's Anatomy. He was in it as well. It's The movie is about Orlando Bloom playing... He's a man named Balin. He lives in southern France. And his wife is killed, and he ends up um, he's working as a blacksmith and Liam Neeson shows up and tells him that he's his long lost estranged father. And he's like, I have a castle in near Jerusalem and I would love for you to come with me. So Orlando Bloom's like, well, my wife's dead. I got nothing better to do. So he joins his dad. He goes to Jerusalem. He ends up getting in the good graces with the king, Baldwin the fourth, the leper king. And he leads the uh, defense of Jerusalem when Salahuddin attacks. Obviously, you know, as I said before, they were unsuccessful. Salahuddin won. In the movie, it portrays Salahuddin letting Muslims, Christians, Jews leave, stay, whatever their place be. He didn't kill any of the, def any of the defenders after they surrendered in the movie. But Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked, sorry. It's a very, very good movie, and honestly, it's probably one of the more historically accurate uh, movies out there. You know, last the last episode, The American Revolution, I talked about The Patriot being good, cinematic-wise, fucking atrocious, historically. It's awful. Kingdom of Heaven is actually very good. I do recommend the director's cut, because while it is longer, the story is a little bit... It makes a lot more sense, and there's... A lot more to it. So it's the director's cut. Kingdom of Heaven 2004. Great movie. But Baldwin IV. Real person. This man was 24 years old. He was diagnosed with leprosy at a young age. So his dad was king. And then he died. His son took over. His son obviously couldn't... Baldwin obviously couldn't have kids because of his condition. Became king of Jerusalem at 13. That's impressive. But unfortunately, due to his condition being with leprosy, there were a lot of factions that started to rise when he was appointed king. You know, they didn't see him as a strong king. They didn't see him as a good leader. Like, oh, this this kid, he, you know, he's just, a, he's just a fucking kid. He's sick. Like... We need a strong leader. And then the people are like, no, his father was a good man. We should follow him. Like it, it was, it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. They show a little bit of that in the kingdom of heaven movie where there's so much division among the dif the different factions in the kingdom of Jerusalem. So in an effort to try and show these different factions that, Hey, I'm not a fucking pushover. Okay. I'm King for a reason. So you bitches better get in line. When he learned that Salahuddin was coming to Jerusalem to try and retake it. This man who was sick, who was told, if you leave the kingdom, if you leave your 
you know, physicians or your care or whatever, you'll fucking die. He says, I'm going to go meet him on the battlefield. And people are just like, what? Like, okay. All right. Here's a strong king. I mean, I wouldn't advise this, but okay. So he met Salahuddin near the near Mount Gazard near Ascalon. He met him there, he defeated him in battle, went back to Jerusalem, and he died. Passed away. He was just too sick. You know, the 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 fighting, the travel, all of that just took too much out of him. Before he passed away, since he didn't have any kids, he named his nephews or nephew, sorry, he named his nephew as his successor, and he appointed his closest advisor and tutor to be his father. He was like, you're going to be his guardian. I won't be here for him. I need you to mentor him and teach him the ways like you did me. Because a lot of what Baldwin IV had, as far as knowledge and understanding went, was due to his tutor. So he appointed... Uh, Raymond, Count of Tripoli, as his nephew's guardian. But unfortunately, Jerusalem did end up falling. Uh, it's unclear as to whether the royal family was killed or not. I don't think they were, but I don't know. I cannot speak on that. I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's still impressive nonetheless. Like, 13 years old, you become a king. You're dealing with a kingdom of different factions where people are, you know, trying to vie for power and, you know, they don't believe in you, but then you learn that this great threat is coming towards you, so you say, sit back, bitches, let's go. And you meet this great leader on the battlefield, manage to beat him, but, you know, it took it all out of you. Still impressive, nonetheless. You can't take that away from him. There were a couple other uh, people, but those were some of the most notable ones. Um, so definitely watch Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom, director's cut, definitely. And if you are down for historical fiction, I do recommend The Jester by James Patterson. It is hands down one of my favorite books. There's, you know, some, uh, myth to it, you know, it's dealing with, uh, ancient, um, devices that were touched by Christ and, you know, people vying for these, uh, devices and pieces and relics and stuff like that so there's a lot of things going on but it's such a good book like and the way James Patterson writes his books is it, it kind of plays out like a movie and you know when you read it so it's it's really cool and it's easy to follow along um I, I definitely recommend it uh, so yeah that's all I got on the crusades I will say um I don't I think we can agree that, you know, a lot of the bad stuff that was said about the Muslim kingdoms from the Pope was just a way to try and get people to join this crusade. I mean, there's not actual evidence that Christians and Jews were being slaughtered before Pope Urban II announced his crusade to retake the Holy Land. There's there's not enough evidence and then, you know, the fact that Salahuddin retook Jerusalem but didn't kill anyone else afterwards and even said Christians and Jews can come and trade as they please and pray as they please, and yet more crusades were still launched, like, 
I mean, he even said he wanted to break the stigma. So who? perhaps there were some unnecessary killings. Maybe the Bedouin tribes were confused for Muslim kingdoms. I, I don't know. There, there's no way of knowing these things. But from my learnings, or at least from early teachings that I had, it was portrayed that Muslims and Turkish soldiers were practically the boogeymen of the Crusades, and that Christians were on this noble and righteous cause. But, I mean, that, that's not entirely true. Granted, you know, there's, there's not a lot... Here's the thing with history. History isn't so much, like, a set-in-stone thing. It's not objective, okay? It, it's not one way or another. History is subjective. It, it's... It's something that we just don't know both sides of. Because sometimes we lose one side and one side survives. The victors tell stories or uh, they, they rewrite their own way. Uh, there, there, there was one instance from uh, early Christianity in Rome when this bishop went to England during the time of King Arthur's legend where he said that he blessed the peasants of Britain to rise up and fight Saxon soldiers, and it's because of him that Roman peasants were able to fight off an entire army of Saxons because he blessed them. Like, get the fuck over yourself, bro. Your blessing didn't do shit. <laughs> you know? Uh, there's just no way of telling which side was true, how much was lost, how much was misinterpreted. You know, what were the causes? There's just no way of actually knowing everything that happened. And it's just something that you have to try and take at face value. And the face value that we have from the countless different things that I have read. Christians launched a crusade because they were hungry for power. Like, I don't know what kind of bug went up your guys' ass. Like, you were able to come and go as you pleased in Jerusalem and pray at the Holy Sepulchre and pay your respects to where Christ was crucified, but instead you wanted power. And then you slaughtered innocent men, women, and children to the point that you were walking knee-deep in blood in the city. And then when Muslims came and retook the city, they let... Christians, Jews, and men, women, and children to live? I don't know. That's just one of those things where we're, we're not entirely sure, okay? So don't take everything I say, like, as 100%, okay? This is just stuff that I have researched. I, I, I can't read everything that's about the Crusades. All right, there's, there's a lot. Trust me, there's a lot. But you kind of have to try and put the pieces together. And the pieces that I put together is what I have just said. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed researching more of it. Uh, the Crusades are definitely an interesting part of world history. Especially even though uh, Christianity ultimately failed in retaking Jerusalem. The advancements that they gained from meeting Muslim travelers and Muslim armies, it's astounding. It's probably what propelled these Western kingdoms to 
go on to become the kingdoms that we know. 14th century sailing across the ocean. You know, that kind of stuff. I think we owe a lot of that to the Crusades and the transfer of knowledge between East and West. You lost the battle, but you ultimately won the power of knowledge. Can't beat that. Don't forget, every Thursday I'll be dropping a new episode, so keep an eye out next Thursday for the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you for coming. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.